Okay, ladies, gentlemen, goofballs and scumbags, whether you're watching the All-Star Game or watching the tea Meghan Markle dropping on CBS with Oprah. Oh. <laughs> Y'all know what time it is, and uh, we may or may not be doing both right now while we're recording, but that's neither here nor there. It is time for episode 31 of the Footy Misfits. I am your host, LV, a.k.a. Paper Fronto, a.k.a. My Rainey's Black Bottom, a.k.a. The British Royalty's a bunch of scumbags. But that's neither here nor there. Might get us canceled. And I'm sitting here with the good brother, Ronnie. Ronnie, say what's good for the one time. Hello, everybody. How are we doing? Um, Breaking news, Harry and Meghan were secretly married for three days before their public wedding. If you care about that, great. If not, I'm following this. Um, peace and love, everybody. <laughs> and there you have it, y'all. There you have it. Not one mention of uh, Zion Williamson over here at the dunk contest or at the All-Star game, uh, missing all type of tomahawks, trying to break the rim. But this is a football oh podcast. Oh, my gosh. Hefty. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, this is this is this is a football podcast, as you guys may know. And uh, as always, as I mentioned a couple pods ago, when we got the midweek schedule popping, when Europe is in full force, Champions League, Europa League, all type of games and hands being played across the big five leagues, there's a lot to talk about, Ronnie. And uh, I guess off the bat, you know how you know the drill. I guess uh, favorite game of the week. What did you have? Their Classico was popping. Freaking. Facts. Facts. <laughs> Erling Haaland, early. Two goals in not even 10 minutes. But Robert Lewandowski saw that, and he took it personally. Like, Michael Jordan had the baseball bat in the locker room before a playoff game. Mm, mm, mm. Scored the first goal off of a um, nice little pass in the box from Leroy Sané. Then the turning point for me of the game, I'm seeing a lot of people comment, oh, the turning point was Haaland getting hurt. No, but my turning point was earlier when I believe it was Kingsley Coman who was fouled in the box. There was no call. VAR reviewed it, and they awarded the penalty. Lewandowski hit the spot kick, 2-2 going into the half. Then in the second half, Haaland gets hurt. Again, I felt like from the moment they gave up the goal to end the first half, they were going down. But that happened, and you can tell Holland was not satisfied. He had this cut on his ankle. So that was kind of, okay. But hopefully he's good for Champions League uh, against Sevilla. Leon Goretzka, a.k.a. Tank, scored what would be the winner in like the 88th minute. I felt like it was a nice, you know, touch and go. And then Robert Lewandowski, like two minutes later, caps off his hat trick. 4-2 final. Borussia Dortmund falls in the Classique to Bayern. So it was exciting to start. It was exciting to finish. Yes, it was another Bayern win. But it, it was fun to watch. And Bayern entered the game in second place because Leipzig had won earlier in the day. So when those two teams meet in April, that's going to be another big one, assuming these two teams keep their form going into that. Yeah, I mean, I know uh, sometimes we'll coincide with our favorite games of the week. Luckily for us, there was some really good games of the week this week where we can sort of differ 
Der Klassiker definitely was one of those for me. Uh, I think, you know, football is a game of momentum and BVB had all of that early on, courtesy of Erling Haaland. He came to play. He saw Robert Lewandowski said, you got a target on your back and I'm trying to take that, you know, best striker in Germany from you or whatever the case may be. Uh, and he, you know, early on, he was killing it. Um, and as you mentioned, uh, Lewandowski really took that to heart. <laughs> it was like, let me show you something, little man. Let me show you something. And uh, uh, I think the turning point of the game uh, you mentioned was the penalty. For me, I think as soon as uh, Leroy Sané, you know, caught the ball towards the edge of the box, broke off a defender and sent a laser of a, of a low cross to Lewandowski. From there, I just felt, I felt like their connection during the game and a lot of Thomas Mueller's movement and passing in the final third just like gave BBB a really tough time. Credit to BBB though, their defense, which has been hot garbage over the past couple of months, really uh, stepped it up for the most part. <laughs> As, I guess, can you really say they stepped it up when they conceded four goals unanswered after being up 2-0? But that's neither here nor there. But uh, overall, yeah, really entertaining game. Uh, big shout out to Lewandowski, AKA the Polish Terminator. That man gets goals any which way he can you cannot stop him and Erling Haaland had to learn the hard way maybe next time he'll get him next time Lewandowski's on 31 goals right now in the league league? oh my goodness gracious he needs nine to equal good Muller's record 10 to break it then there are chances that he will obliterate that record too I feel like we had we had this conversation late last season and I, I would say just out of arm's reach of that record, but this season, man, you know, Lewandowski be taking shit mad personally. He's petty because uh, <laughs> clearly he wants to break that record. And I mean, they've got what um, about eleven or ten games left in the league, and so I mean, that is coming. I have no doubt that Lewandowski will get there. He scores hat tricks, you know, for fun out there in the Bundesliga. His finishing is almost second to none in the world. Uh, he knows how to get in the right places. He knows how to put the defenders to sleep off the back shoulder and all that good stuff. So, dang, that's incredible. Big shout out to Lewandowski. He's performing at such a high level. No, he's getting that Ballon d'Or, right? Uh, I would be surprised if he didn't. He should have got it already. We already know last season. Um, now, if they win the Champions League again, I would, I would be shocked if they don't. Because, I mean, while Ronaldo is the top scorer of Serie A, every, every time Lukaku goes up, he seems to take it personal and score two goals to get up there. Uh, he, he, I just feel like the season that Juve, Juventus is having um, doesn't warrant him getting a Ballon d'Or, regardless of how he's playing. Um, Lionel Messi, we already know, is good, is going through a, a, some sort of depression. And so I would be shocked if he wins it. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it, Lewandowski has to be the odds-on favorite. And if he doesn't win it, we already know what time it is with the Ballon d'Or. With the Ballon d'Or. Quick follow-up to that. This summer are the Euros. And I think Copa America, too. Lewandowski is Polish. Poland might not make it very far. Would that have an impact on his Ballon d'Or chances? Um, I want to say yes. Just because, you know, the world stage is considered, is heavily considered a lot. Obviously, the club is where he's in, you know, pretty much year in, year out. So I hope it doesn't. But, I mean, we saw, we saw what, playing on the world stage obviously the euro is not the world cup but we saw what playing on the world stage and and and, and dominating the competition did for luka Modric a couple of years back in the bottom deal race but i hope it doesn't 
I hope it doesn't. I don't think it will have such an impact, especially if he's over here trying to break records and if they win the Champions League. I think he should be safe because he is clearly on a terror. Bayern, obviously, uh, have been, have had slight ups and downs this season, but are probably going to repeat um, as Bundesliga champions uh, and, uh, like I said, Champions League winners as well. So we'll see. Uh, I mean, if he doesn't win, Ballon d'Or is canceled, but they've been canceled for a minute. Yeah, I think he should win it no matter what happens on the national team. But I feel like that would be using as an excuse for, oh, that's why we can't give it to you. He should win it no matter what. And that they owe him for last year. Lewandowski is doing the damn thing. Yeah, like, and speaking of taking things personally, he, he seems to be taking that personal as well, the way he's playing. And so uh, overall, great competitor and you know, over just uh, probably the best forward in the world right now. Uh, and that's with me having Harry Kane on my team, who we'll get to later, by the way. Yes, sir. Um, but my favorite game of the week came in the second leg of the Copa del Rey semifinal between Sevilla and Barcelona, which uh, I believe you and I figured was pretty much all but over after Sevilla took a clean 2-0 win in the first leg at home. The return fixture, however, at the Camp Nou uh, looked to be anything but that. Barcelona came out the gate swinging. They played this shit like it was a Champions League, fam. I couldn't believe it. Usman Dembele scored. You don't hear that often because he hasn't been getting a chance to play, uh, hasn't been getting a chance to continue to develop, and just hasn't been doing the damn thing. But Usman Dembele scored early on. And they're, the, it, the lovely thing about it was that made it such an interesting match. Usman Dembele's goal makes it 1-2 on aggregate, um, which is, was still not enough for uh, Barcelona to go through, obviously. And... The entire rest of the match, not a single goal until we got to extra time. And as soon as I saw this goal, courtesy of Gerard Piquet off a header, it just gave me flashbacks of uh, the Champions League final between Atletico Madrid and Real Madrid when Sir, when his Spanish compatriot, uh, Sergio Ramos, sent Real Madrid into extra time against Atleti with a 90, yeah, 95th, 94th minute header. Yeah, I know the story. If you don't, go Google it. But... PK scores at the dead of the game to put the game into extra time. And, and from extra time, Barcelona were always going to get that extra goal in order to help them move forward. Martin, <laughs> y'all remember Mar Martin Braithwaite, a.k.a. Yo, Messi, can I get your number 10 shirt with you when you leave? You going to finish that cornbread? He can't, He actually pulled up. We saw Usman Dembele, the youngster, score. And he actually pulled up and scored as soon as... The extra time began, um, and from there, all it took for Barcelona was to just see out the score. Game finishes 3-0. Barcelona advances to the Copa del Rey final. I love saying that, by the way, Copa del Rey. Um, oh, LV with the Spanish. 3-2 on aggregate. Sevilla really let themselves down, shit the bed at the Camp Nou, and, man, that's all she wrote. It was, it was a great game to see, and one of those weird games where Messi isn't on the score sheet. Um, but yeah, I, I, through all the bullshit Barcelona's been through this season and all the uh, all the downs, can't really say there's been much ups. But through all the downs, um, they found themselves to be in a final to play uh, with a chance to win uh, um, against on the other side, Athletic Bilbao, who, as Ronnie mentioned to me off the pod, will be playing two Copa del Rey finals within a week of each other. Yes, sir. The 2019, rather the 2020 Copa del Rey final, which was postponed because of COVID, they wanted to play that with fans, but it got to a point where, like, yo, you gotta play this with fans, without fans, man. You gotta get this game over with. They contemplated playing this game on Christmas, 
That didn't work out. So the Great Basque Derby will be the first one of their finals, and now this Copa del Rey final with Barcelona will be the second. They could win two Copa del Reyes in the same year, and if they do, that will be three trophies this season, having beat Barcelona earlier in the Spanish Super Cup. I'm going to be rooting for Athletic Club in either one of those two cup finals. <laughs> I was going to say, safe to say, we're rooting for the underdog against Barcelona there. Um, but yeah. Um, now you did mention Barcelona and how they had a wild season. They had a wild week. It started with Joseph Bartomeu getting locked up and don't let him out. Jeez, then, con- convict music. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's crazy how that works. Bobby Schmurter gets free. Bartomeu gets locked up. Worth it. It's worth that, that's, a good, that's a good transfer swap, if you ask me. Hashtag, here we go. It, it was, it's Barcegate that he got locked up for, Bartomeu. Um, if you asked me, I don't know a lot about this shit. I just found it was funny. Yeah, let me do a little bit of. Uh, let me give you a little bit of a breakdown. I did some reading, and uh, for the most part, it seemed as though Barcelona, and it wasn't just him apparently, but uh, him and a few other pieces um, that were raided by the uh, police on, um, I believe it was March, uh, late February actually. But long story short. They were raided, and apparently they were hiring companies um, who were contracted to monitor social networks for the club, as per ESPN. Now, there's one of these companies, their name is 13 Ventures, and uh, allegedly they were f- <laughs> they were found to have uh, run some smear campaigns on uh, current Barcelona players and former Barcelona players. Obviously, one of those, you know who it is. You guessed it, Lionel Messi. Um, mm-hmm. And then also, also uh, we know that Barcelona has been in an, uh, a presidential election. They co- contracted these companies to run smear campaigns, also against the presidential nominees. Obviously, um, Joanne Laporta and Victor Font. Um, so smear campaigns and things of like that. But um, now, while that isn't entirely illegal, it's more of the way they were contracting these folks, the money that they were using, a little bit of co-mingling going on, you know, dipping into this, that, and the third. Um, so, yeah, Barca gave full swing, bro. Hey, Joseph Bartomeu, a.k.a. Richard Nixon, you feel me? So it's, it's getting all nasty up in here. But, yeah, um, he was able to post bail, as you mentioned. But um, it's all bad over there, and it's much worse than we thought. <laughs> Literally. I don't – if you – you didn't really need – to hire an outside company to launch a smear campaign on Barcelona. All you needed to do is refer back to the game in Lisbon where Barcelona lost 8-2 and refer to how they just gave La Liga to Real Madrid after the lockdown. Yeah. So, or throw a little bit of dirt on the fact that Messi used a fax machine. That's that's enough ammo right there for a smear campaign. If my son used a fax machine, I would have cooked him <laughs> on social media like the other. So... Yeah, but yeah, you're they right. You're right. But that it, that started the week. Then Barcelona wins this Copa del Rey match in a remontada junior. Over the weekend, they played Osasuna and Pamplona. They won that as well. And then today, Sunday, Barcelona just had their presidential election, and the aforementioned John Laporta won the presidency. He actually was a former president of the club. As a matter of fact, he held the position from 2003 to 2010. 
he was instrumental in bringing on Messi to begin with. He also was responsible for signing the likes of Ronaldinho, Samuel Eto. He won trophies in the late 2000s, a couple of Champions Leagues, and a few Copa del Reyes, some La Liga titles. So it's a blast from the past for Barcelona. And yeah, an eventful week. If we can carry on to some of the matters on the weekend, sticking in Spain, of course, we saw the Derby Madrileño, the Madrid Derby, Atletico de Madrid versus Real Madrid. That one ended 1-0, kicking off with Luis Suarez's as Faraz, scoring the opening goal. <laughs> <after two minutes. laughs> uh, I love a good jam. So you got a French toast body. It was a really funny pick. <laughs> I have to I have to bring this in real quick. But last week, last week we we mentioned uh, Chelsea beat Atletico Madrid in the first leg of the Champions League round of sixteen tie, and uh, there was a point where uh, Antonio Rudiger of Chelsea got into a, a little heated exchange with Luis Suarez, and they got in each other's face. And there was a meme going around the internet of uh, it was like uh, this is what uh, Rudiger and Suarez saw, um, and it was uh, I think they. <laughs> They uh, used uh, a picture of Mr. Bean like, as a cartoon to, to basically say that this is what Rudiger was seeing when he was all oh, man up close and personal with Suarez. So, yeah, so I just thought I'd mention that real quick. <laughs> it's a French toast body. Um, <laughs> mad curves. Mad curves. Son. Cinnamon and all that, bro. <laughs> all right. So... Um, <laughs> that French toast body scored the first goal of the game. <laughs> 15 minutes in, 1-1. And then from there, the game was pretty uneventful up until the later ends of the of the game in which Karim Benzema leveled the scoring to f- have the game finish 1-1. Atletico de Madrid are still on top spot. They will play Athletic Club Bilbao their final match in hand midweek they could see themselves separate themselves more from barcelona currently the gap is i believe three or they can drop points and make this a real real title race which it appears to be between the two madrid clubs and barcelona who all at some point in the cases of real and barcelona struggling as hell earlier on in the season so yeah, La Liga is heating up with some warm French toast. <clears throat> yeah, big upset at Atletico Madrid for that one there. Um, I mean, I think they're now five clear of Real Madrid, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, obviously, Barcelona are making a bit of a creep for the title, but um, Atleti might be, able to, uh, might be able to hold it down there. Like we said, we have no idea what's going to go on this season it's, uh, in La Liga, let alone the other <clears throat> five leagues of Europe. Um, but... Yeah, overall, um, sound like sounded like uh, not the most eventful of matches, but that tends to happen for big in big games for Diego Simeone. The other derby of Sunday, Manchester Derby, the game that saw Manchester City's twenty-eight game unbeaten run in all competitions and fifteen straight 
Premier League winning run all snapped <laughs> by Puxitani Phil, Bruno Fernandez, and then Luke Shaw <laughs> added a second goal to cap things off for the Red Devils. And it is time now to give shout outs to the good brothers over at the Raw Football Talk podcast. I don't know how three Manchester United fans all managed to link up, but they did. And they are all celebrating this feat down in the DMV. As a matter of fact, air horns for Raw Football Talk. Big shout out to those guys over there at Raw Football Talk. Three United fans uh, in one place can never be a good thing, <laughs> but they, they make it happen. Shout out to those guys. Um, and yeah, shout out to Man United today, taking care of the business against Guardiola. A fun fact, Oleg Gunnar Shoskard is the only Manchester United manager to win three straight Manchester derbies at the Etihad. Not yeah, sure, I think he's... Even... Right, and so the goat of all goats managers, um, Sir Alex Ferguson didn't achieve the feat, probably for different reasons, because Manchester City were uh, mostly not in the Premier League when he was over there whooping some ass. Um, however, nonetheless, uh, the Ole Gunner, for some reason, at the Etihad, puts on his Super Saiyan cape, or it gets his Super Saiyan hair, and it goes full blonde. And I mean, I don't know what what it is, but he seems to have Guardiola's number out there at the blue side of Manchester. It's it's pretty crazy to see. Um, it looked like United had an answer for everything City was trying to do today, and it just looked like they were annoying enough to City's attackers who were getting in dangerous positions. Kevin Durant was all over the pitch. Raheem Sterling, Riyad Mahrez, Gundogan was there doing all types of stuff. And, I mean, they were passing the ball fluidly. They they had a good setup going. But it just seemed as if the defenders were all on the same page for Manchester United, which is not something that I guess you, you, you've heard often this past season. But whatever they were doing, it was just enough for every city shot to either hit the post or just barely go wide or, or whatever the case may be. And then on the flip side, United, um, when they did attack, they attacked with purpose. Bruno Fernandes played exceptionally, uh, uh, which sort of, I guess, must shit on a bunch of the rumors that say that he doesn't play well against big six sides and things of that nature. Um, he 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 was sending ball balls in uh, from well within his own half, um, com- you know, commanding the midfield as he does. Fred also had a pretty good game as well. Luke Shaw, in my opinion, the man of the match, uh, got a goal off, which you don't see from him often. Um, but, he, you know, he had Riyad Mahrez a bit stressed out and whoever would come on that right-hand side there. Um, but, yeah, uh, Man United were clinical, and when they lost the ball and defended, they defended as a unit. And, I mean, Dean Henderson, a, another clean sheet for the boy, making David De Gea look like a piece of shit, and that's okay. Um, but, yeah, it looked like Man United saved up all of their energy from their last three matches. Remember, they've had... Three straight nil-nil games, and uh, it looked like they were just saving all of their energy here just to beat the little big brothers out on the blue side of Manchester, which they did. Now, while it was a great performance for Man United, and they this should, I think, give them a bit of confidence moving forward. Um, obviously, we, we, we've heard things like uh, Ole Gunnar lines up very defensively against big six sides and doesn't want to concede goals, therefore it takes away from their, their game and things of that nature. But this, I think, should give them a bit of confidence. And I think that's where it stops. Besides that, there's not much to celebrate here. Uh, City are still seem like they're going to cakewalk to the to the Premier League title. But a win is a win. Three points to Man United, and that's all she wrote. Some more results that happened on the Sunday. Liverpool. I don't know. 
Whew. I don't know. They lost their sixth game at home in a row. Something that they have never done ever. They lost to Fulham 1-0. Liverpool, yeah, we could talk about the defense and the midfield. At this point, no one's pulling up. Yeah, I mean, uh, there are people saying things like they just seem broken. I mean, Ronnie, I, I don't know. What do, you, what do you think about that necessarily? Because I'm not sure if I buy that. I buy that a little bit. Mo Salah hasn't produced anything down here lately. Um, Firmino, same thing. Mane, he still tries hard, but he was benched today, probably, you know, to save him for Champions League. Jota's starting to come back now. It's going to take him some time to get to a goal-scoring form. Liverpool just seem not to be it right now. From all corners of the field, they just don't seem to be it. Can they turn it around? Still hopeful that they can. Can they still make top four? Very much so, but I don't know, man. Now it's really starting to look like they might not even make Europa League. That was going to be my follow-up question to you. Do, they, do you think they finish in a Europa League spot or, or do they finish in a European spot? You know, all jokes aside, like, where do you think this – There's uh, in, in reality, Liverpool have yeah, was, 10, 10 games left to play. That's a possible 30 points. Do you think they can make it in Europe or is it over for them? Is it all bad? Ah. I mean, I said this jokingly to Spencer that, that Liverpool might play the Europa Conference League. <laughs> but he was like, yo, bro, we're not getting Europe at all. Yeah. I mean, and if we look at your uh, Liverpool's, you know, the rest of their uh, fixtures, you know, just pointing out, finishing the season out. Well, one, obviously this week they have um, a big Champions League tie. Well, not so big. They're ahead 2-0 on our, our RB Leipzig in the Champions League. Which, well, they um, keep that lead, though. That's a great question, but I guess it, it, that does bring me to my a sort of follow-up question before we look at the rest of their fixtures. I mean, I, <clears throat> at this point, do they just put all their eggs in the basket of the Champions League and try to go for that? And is that Might possible well. for them to do? Can they win the Champions League like this? Might as well put your eggs in the Champions League basket. No guarantee that you'll win it. You still have other formidable teams that are still out there. Bayern are still out there. They could be knocking on your door. Heaven forbid you play Atleti again. You could be drawn with Manchester City, too. They can throw all their eggs in that basket. No guarantees that that will result in in anything on the win column. I want to see Liverpool top four, but the, but the way they're playing right now, they don't deserve it. Mm. And now mm. you're mentioning the rest of their fixtures. Wolves is their next Premier League opponent. They should have that. Arsenal at the Emirates. Liverpool, Aston Villa. That the reverse fiction Liverpool got spanked. Uh, Leeds United, that Leeds United just gives you anything right now. Newcastle are in a relegation fight, but they lost to a team in a relegation zone right now. Another game against United, Southampton, West Brom, Burnley, and Crystal Palace. Who, when they beat them in the reverse fixture, seven nothing, that's pretty much when their collapse started. Um, these games should be winnable on paper. The hope. Is that they still make top four? The way this team is playing right now, they don't even get Europa League. Right now, they're in eighth. I don't know. Hope for the best, expect the worst, I guess, is what you could say. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, as you mentioned, they're they're, the rest of their fixture list going on. Uh, looking at them after the first 12 fixtures of the season, and then going ahead and looking forward to these next couple of games, 
you would say that anybody here playing Liverpool is in for trouble. Wolves would have been in trouble. Arsenal, forget about it. Villa, who's been up and down as of late, in trouble. Leeds, you know. Um, but now it, it looks like Liverpool is going through a murderer's row of their own because of their form and the way they're playing. And, I mean, in, the, in just these next four fixtures, let alone six where they do play Manchester United again, who knows how many points they'll pick up in this and the thing about Liverpool, which is scary, is that they still have the firepower to do well, regardless of the injuries and things of that nature. But it just seems that everything that they were doing well, regardless of it, at the beginning of the season, the first twelve fixtures, all of that that spark, that magic, that chemistry, it just seems to be gone. And we saw Fabinho make his return, didn't make a difference. We saw Diogo Hutto make his return. Obviously, as you mentioned, it takes time for him to get better and get back into match form and things of that nature. Hasn't made a difference. And to go into a game against Fulham, who, to be fair, in the Premier League has been a very competitive side as of late. There are, you know, relegation dogfight ups your players' stats by five or six FIFA points. And that's just a fact. And they are, you know, proving that. They gave Spurs absolute hell the, a couple of days ago despite a loss. And they brought the same energy to Liverpool. But it just seems that, you know, Liverpool have kind of, I guess that broken thing, you hear it and it's like, try to brush it off, but it, it could be true. And I guess we'll have to see what happens uh, and how they pan the season out. I feel like Liverpool can still finish in a Europe, European position, uh, whether it be the Europa League or the Champions League. I think they'll still get there. They just have the quality to do it. And a bad run of games happens to everybody. And um, it just matters how you handle it. And I think that they have the perseverance in order to do so. And I think the scarier thing is if they don't handle it, what does that mean for them moving forward? Because I feel like if you don't, if they don't correct their issues at this point, um, they don't make Europe at all, right? And if they don't make Europe, I think it just speaks to a, a, something bigger. There's a bigger picture there. Like, is it is is this over? But with that being said, the team up. right. But with that being said, we'll see. I mean, there's rumors of Mo Salah apparently leaving at the end of the season. You know, Klopp's been there for quite some time, and then he's won the things that he was supposed to win or aspired to win, and did so. Hey, I'm not saying it's time, but if things continue to get worse, I don't know. That's all I'm going to say. I don't know. How closely are Liverpool monitoring their former captain, Steven Gerrard, at Rangers, who just led them to their first Scottish Premiership in 10 years? Oh, man. That's a great point, Ronnie. Uh, you know, you have to assume that they're looking at him. And you'd have to assume that he's sitting there thinking about it as well. Because he's one of the only young coaches that you've seen uh, that didn't go right, a, right right away and step into the limelight of a job, of a place that he did well at. Obviously, we see Andrea Pirlo getting his getting all the kinks out his first season at Juventus. We saw what happened with Frank Lampard getting you know getting that uh, Ned Stark guillotine, chopped his head off a year and a half in. Um, you know Thierry Thierry Henry obviously I think was is another one you can kind of compare to Gerard in that he's didn't go straight to Arsenal. Um, but Gerard, to get back to the point and not to uh, stray, Gerard has taken his time. Like you mentioned, he's, he's won the Scottish Prem with, uh, with Rangers. He's still in the Europa League. Um, they look a good, decent side. He's getting his managerial skills under his belt and he's growing into the position of a club like Liverpool rather than being thrust into it right into the beginning of his career. So, I, hey, listen, I mean, I'm not saying that that's what's going to happen, but you have to assume or imagine that there's conversations being had on both ends, not with each other, but just separately about that. 
about that possibility? I mean, yeah, um, Steven Gerrard's definitely getting a look. Whether or not he gets there anytime soon, I mean, gets back to Anfield anytime soon, depends on how Liverpool does and depends on how long Jurgen Klopp wants to hold this. I'm still in the belief that Jurgen Klopp will turn this around somehow and he will stay there for a few more years. But Gerrard back at Liverpool will definitely seem like a perfect fit, especially now that he's a proven manager winning a Scottish Premiership. That's a bridge that we and the and Liverpool will cross when we get there. Something to keep an eye out in the future, I would say. Quickly on Rangers, they defeated St. Mirren 3-0. All they needed was a point to win the Prem. That would have come next weekend against Celtic. However, Celtic second place um, drew to Dundee United 0-0, giving Rangers their title. So, yes, we shall see how things go. And speaking of the Europa League and Rangers, you just mentioned it. Rangers are in the Europa League. Thursdays when we have all these Europa League first legs. The week after, it will be the second legs. Champions League returns this week, Tuesday, Wednesday. We have the... Second legs of Sevilla versus Dortmund on Tuesday, as well as Juventus versus Porto in Torino, a match that Juventus should win. And if they don't, I'll come here with the chopper flying. Wednesday, we'll have PSG Barcelona, Liverpool RB Leipzig. It's 4-1 PSG and 2-0 Liverpool in those sides, respectively. LV, do you have anything you want to bring up? I certainly do. I certainly do. Um... We did run through a couple of the major leagues and obviously Europa League and things like that. We did leave out one quick little tidbit in the Premier League that I just can't, I just can't let go. Spurs played uh, Crystal Palace FC, and you know I got to give props to the boys when they do well, especially when I didn't think that they were going to do well despite their run of form. Three wins in all competition as of late. And now in Crystal Palace, however, they did play Spurs earlier in the season when Spurs, after the first 12 games, were top of the league. Shortly after losing to Liverpool, a heartbreaking loss, which we won't mention, which I just did mention. It's all good. Um, Crystal Palace at Silhurst Park held Spurs to 1-1. Um, and based on the run of games that Spurs have had as of late and the, uh, I would say, the frequency of matches within days, I was a bit nervous. And... When I saw the lineup, despite Jose Mourinho starting Gareth Bale, Youngman's son, and Harry Kane, the uh, the triple threat, um, I was nervous about the midfield in which we saw Harry Winks and the right back position of Matt Doherty, who has been, as many Spurs fans would call it, an an undercover agent against the team. I was <laughs> on some Benzema type Vinicius type ish. Oh, he's playing against us. He's doing everything to make us lose. There you go. Exactly. So I was nervous with that being said. Wilfred Zaha finally made his return. It seems like everybody somehow makes their return against Spurs. I don't know how it works, but that's just how it goes. Um, but but with that being said, Spurs cruised through to a 4-1 win. And I just want to let a couple of stats fly there. Um, Harry Kane, two goals and two assists. Um, he's at it again. One of them being an absolute screamer, probably his goal of the season. I won't say the goal of the season, but his goal of the season. I agree. Um, that goal was a screamer for damn sure. He gifted Matt Doherty an assist, which he didn't, which Doherty didn't deserve. <laughs> to be fair, he had a he's been he had a very good game. 
I, I couldn't even hate on him there. But um, Gareth Bale, another stat there. Gareth Bale, with another two goals, he seems to be in full form. Um, and it's incredible to see being a Spurs fan, obviously remembering the Gareth Bale of old. While he's very much not that, he does seem very technically just, you know, comfortable. He seems fit enough to play 90 minutes if he wanted to, although he didn't. Um, but um, the main thing that I wanted to point out, Kane's uh, last goal was assisted by Hyungman's son, um, which after that goal, the duo there who we know has been scoring goals and assisting each other all season um, have officially just broken Chris Sutton and Alan Shearer's record over at Newcastle, which uh, stood up for quite some time as they as they played in a season, which stood up for quite some time, as we know, uh, they played in the late 90s. Um, another thing is that they're closing in on the all-time uh, goal collaboration record from a duo uh, record, uh, which is currently held by Didier Drogba and Frank Lampard of Chelsea. Um, and this record has been there for about, oh man, I want to say just, just under 10 years now. Harry Kane just seems to be you know, absolutely balling out and is the lifeblood of Spurs and has been for quite some time. But this year, it seems to be in a sort of a different way. 13 assists, I think right now is the biggest thing for me. And the way he plays on the field, he's more of, uh, he drops in a lot more rather than being the out and out striker. His vision has been incredible and his finishing has yet to let up. So with that being said, man, listen, I, if Harry Kane isn't player of the year, obviously it depends on how the season finishes. A lot of games left to play for Spurs, 11 games, that's 33 points, a lot left to happen. But I'm saying he should be a shoe-in, and if he isn't, I'm calling BS. Great segue. Is that time, Ovi? Oh, wait a second. Is it, is it, is, is it BS of the week time, Ronnie? <laughs> According to what I have here, I think it is. Let's go. I'm not gonna front. I had a little bit of trouble this week to come up with BS of the week. Um, at first I wanted to give it to something we that you actually sent in the group chat. Um, if you covered if you um Lorenzo Insigne top of his head with your thumb, he looks like Pep Guardiola. <laughs> Joseph Insigne or Lorenzo Guardiola, however you want to call it. I was struggling to find a proper BS of the week. I was even going to come for the MLS uniform drop, the kit drop, the jersey drop, however they want to call it. But come Saturday, I wake up, and I was watching some highlights of one of the games I missed, Burnley versus Arsenal. I do know some Arsenal fans, again, some that we were cool with, i.e. the gentrified gooner, Gully, he on record saying it's, Fuck Shaka. Shaka being granite Shaka. And boy, did that man give me the best BS of the week. Honestly, I don't even blame him completely. Bird Leno needs to get some of the smoke too. Terrible clearance, playing way out the back. Granite Shaka is being pummeled by the Burnley attack. I don't know who he was trying to clear it to. People say David Luiz. I say to Jesus Christ. But it manages to hit Chris Wood of Burnley on his chest or stomach or somewhere in his front and rolls into the goal. What I found funny, not just the fact that that happened, but 
Chris Wood just celebrating and just shrugging his shoulders like, I don't know. I mean, I'll take it. I don't know. Shit, I'd ask for it, but I'll go ahead. <laughs> Yo, pinpoint accuracy with the cross uh, from Granite Shaka, a.k.a. the Burnley agent. He, yo, that was, he, there's only, I've only seen a handful of those kind of goals where it looked like the player meant to do that. And that was one of those. Um, in regards to the gentrified gooner, I did speak to him about this. And uh, he basically just continued to reiterate Shaka's one-footedness and the fact that he can only go one way. And the reason for the goal, uh, he'll tell you, is simply the fact that he took an extra touch when he could have one time to the David Luiz had plenty of space, but because he took that one touch, sent him right in the crossfires of the Burnley player, Chris Wood. And uh, from there, it was all she wrote. Hit a pinpoint cross to his chest, straight into the goal. Excellent assist. You usually, <laughs> you usually see that happen on own goals, but this was a proper goal. Chris Wood, the New Zealander, had never scored against Arsenal before that. And that was his first goal against the club. Yeah, it sounds like Shaka had him on his fantasy football team or something. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> now, I do give some of this to um, smoke to Bernardino because you, you're you seeing the Burnley attack coming at Shaka. Why don't you just send it out to um, the center of the park instead of playing it short to Shaka? or playing it deeper on the right-hand side to David Luiz. I don't know. Bernardino also has to get some of the smoke. BS of the Week, Arsenal Football Club. They drew Burnley 1-1. Arsenal's goal came courtesy of Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, but we don't talk about that. We talk about that fucker. That's my BS of the Week. LV, you have quite a few BS of the Week to call. Get on it. Well, first things first, uh, as you mentioned, we obviously don't want to end the pod on a sad note. But there, or I guess serious note, but uh, one of the BSs of the week that I had. So earlier in the week, I believe it was Monday or Tuesday, we saw this before in Serie A with uh, Ronnie's Juventus, actually, um, and Napoli. Due to COVID-19 restrictions and lockdown rules, Napoli were unable to travel to Turin to play a match at the beginning of the season and were therefore considered to have forfeited the match uh, losing, costing them three points and giving Juve the three points. Now, as we all saw what happened uh, in the middle of the season, that appeal was, a, 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 a that ruling was eventually overturned and Napoli was rewarded their three points. And in the exact same scenario, Juventus lost six points, having lost that same week and then losing the three points that they subsequently won from Napoli. Now- Yeah, they also dropped you, Napoli a point. Right. Now you would think that the Serie A would have learned from this mishap because it was all all it was was messy, um, but sadly no. Torino FC was scheduled to play Lazio down at the Stadio Olimpico in Rome, and was not able to make the match due to COVID nineteen restrictions and lockdown. Therefore, they Serie A ruled earlier in the week that they would give up the match forfeited and uh, lose their three points. Now, obviously, Torino is going to appeal and the Lazio president said that he is willing to take this to court which is nuts to think about he's trying to keep him three points by all means but another sad debacle uh so that man that president of Lazio said he needs them three points he's trying to keep them things but long story short uh Syria ain't, ain't much to say but fix 
it. Juventus didn't even sue Napoli for those three points. Lazio is trying to get into the Champions League by all means. They might even break out Mussolini to fight this. <laughs> baby, baby Mussolini. So uh, Lazio added again on that bullshit. And that's one of them. Now, moving forward, we got some more for y'all tonight. Um, so <laughs> we, we know uh, Prime Minister Boris Johnson of the UK did have a press conference of some sort uh, last week. I don't keep up with British politics. Come on, son. It's America. My president is black and my Lambo was blue. Just kidding. They're not anymore, but you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> so now he's looking, now he's white and drives an Oldsmobile. <laughs> so asked something about football earlier in the week during a press conference, and Boris Johnson had this to say. Um, obviously he's the prime minister, so he stays at 10 Downing Street down in London town. And he had this to say when asked about uh, football and maybe clubs he supports, something like that. I can't remember the exact quote, but he said, I support all London clubs. Now, as a supporter of a club that plays in London, I know that that's impossible due to the hate that all London clubs have for each other, be it Chelsea or Spurs or Spurs in West Ham or Arsenal and Spurs. You could throw Crystal Palace in there. Queen's Park Rangers don't even like none of these other London clubs. Chelsea and <laughs> Fulham, same neighborhood. It's all hate. So Boris Johnson, you could have said some other shit like, yo, I watch American football, fam. Or, yo, I like rugby, bro. Or, you know, pick a side. You feel me? But long story short, tried to be politically correct and ended up sounding like an idiot. Uh, so Boris Johnson, hey, fix it, fam. And fix your hair, too. You look like a fucking mop, my nigga. <laughs> It is Boris Johnson, so gotta take him with a grain of salt. Right. Um, and so there's that. But yes, as I said, again, there is more. Now, uh, the BS of the week for me. Oh, let's get into it. <laughs> so, Ronnie, uh, you heard of a little old club called Manchester United, right? If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I believe we spoke about them earlier. I think they defeated Manchester City. Yes. So Manchester United, uh, some would say in the footballing world, one of the most, if not the most famous club in the world, uh, you know, have been continuously valued at the highest alongside those clubs known as Barcelona, Real Madrid. You get this. You, you get the you get the idea. Very famous. Mm -hmm. club. Yes, they, got, they got they got fans in Cambodia all the way down in Uruguay, Nigeria. You know, you know, shout out to my Nigerians. Mad Nigerians be Manchester United fans, fans out in Jamaica. I say all that to say that Manchester United over the past week, courtesy of their social media accounts, decided to go live today for some reason or another. And uh, while this is a, a normal custom for most teams and clubs when they're doing things on social media, you go live on Instagram. Being that they went live, I'm sure plenty of people that follow them all across the world <laughs> saw this notification and said, oh, Man United is live. Let's go check out what they got going on. 35,000 people, I think 37,000 people were in that live at one point, only to find out that it wasn't an announcement or a kit release or a, you know, a, a teaser or a promo video for the, the Manchester Derby that was coming up, uh, some, something or the other. It wasn't any of that. It was, in fact, the social... <laughs> The social media manager for Manchester United's Instagram account happened to accidentally butt dial and go live on Instagram while he was making his lunch. So <laughs> Manchester United fans were treated to 11, 
<laughs> Manchester United fans was treated to a couple of minutes of my son putting his little uh, ramen noodles in the microwave, getting some tea in there, hearing the microwave go, some whispering, a little bit of tea, some spoons clanking in the glass. Confused. Fans from Nigeria, Cambodia sitting there like, yo, what, what's going on? Who is this? What is he doing? And I believe, I can't remember exactly how long it went on before it, before the fan, before the um, social media manager realized that he tweaked and probably lost his job. Poor guy. <laughs> <laughs> that social media manager. <laughs> so I don't remember. Did you major in journalism, Ovi? Or you minored in it? Yeah, minor. I majored in it. This is cardinal sin number one. Don't get caught lacking. <laughs> that is in the Ten Commandments of Journalism. <laughs> Very much so. And in social media, especially. I hope the Raymond Lewis was smacking because that's the last meal he was going to have <laughs> in the team lunchroom, son. Yo, he's eating at his mama's crib right now. Like, damn, I should have went out to Chipotle. <laughs> should have left my phone in my locker. I tweaked. 35,000 people in that live watching this man heat up his noodles and have some tea. Oh, man. Two things. Not again. One, imagine if in that video some Manchester United news leaked. Ooh so you're thinking on a big scale. I'm thinking like, what if he was taking a shit? <laughs> you gotta <laughs> you think about me? these things. Yeah, bro. Come on, man. Thirty-five thousand people's watching you take a shit. Listen, bro. <laughs> that's, that's madness. Luckily for him, he was only eating lunch, and that's as harmless as harmless gets. But it could have been much worse. Um, but you know, safe to say it wasn't. But he's still gonna get these jokes. The club is going to get these jokes too. That that live was much more exciting than their game against Chelsea. Show sure enough, and the one versus Crystal Palace after that. But that's neither here nor there. Big BS of the week to the Manchester United social media manager. Hey, bro, fix it, fam. Come on, bro. And with that being said, <laughs> let me make sure I'm not you know on Instagram live on X or anything like that. All right, we're good to go. Episode three, one in the books. And goddamn, this weak-ass dunk contest, I got to go back and watch. And I know we got to talk about this uh, Meghan Markle on Oprah. All that being said, Ronnie, we want to go ahead and sign the boys out. Yes, sir. This was a great episode of the Football Misfits podcast. We thank everybody for listening. We thank everyone for interacting with us on Instagram at the Footy Misfits. Hashtag it as well. For LV... I go by the name of Ronnie. We will see you next time on the Footy Misfits podcast. Adios, everybody. Woo! Double check to make sure you're not on Instagram Live, y'all. Don't get caught slipping out here. <laughs>